Welcome to CFS Podcast by Lublico, a show to discuss and accelerate the transition to a digital circular fashion system. I'm your host, Nick Hollins, Chief Communications Officer at Lublico and CFS. Today we'll hear from the Sustainability Panel at Circular Fashion Summit, recorded live in virtual reality at the Grand Palais on October 3rd, 2020 for Paris Fashion Week. How can a circular economy make brands and retailers more profitable? A misconception is that sustainability means more expensive. Discover with industry experts how circularity and traceability powered by blockchain can radically increase customer engagement, sales and profitability. Speakers on the sustainability panel include Erica Andrida, partner PwC, Nina Shariati, sustainability strategist H&M Group, Susan Harris, technical director and thesis group, Alexandre Capelli, environment manager LVMH Group, and Maggie Hewitt, founder and designer Maggie Marilyn. Our moderator is Piers Hopkins, former China country manager of BOF. Thanks to our partners, Unity and Unilever, for making all of this possible. Check out the description to learn more about their amazing work and how they're reaching the CFS goals, contributing together with CFS Catalysts to achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals 2030. Let's kick it off now with Piers Hopkins. Erica, um, obviously this year in particular is, is very challenging to, to all areas of the fashion industry. Um, I mean, the fact that we're here in virtual space in, instead of in person, I think is a great example of that. Um, you know, normally, you know, during this kind of time, companies and, and economies are struggling. You know, do you think there actually exists an opportunity for brands or for companies to change to become more ecologically responsible as opposed to what I think the natural reaction would be, which would be to pull back, um, kind of entrench and to cut research costs instead? Okay, thanks, Piers, for the question. Uh, complex one. Uh, you know that uh, during the pandemic, so uh, we perform, uh, um, we interview our customer. So we perform our 11th global consumer insight uh, before and after the COVID lockdown to understand how will be the new normal of the fashion industry and how much important is circularity and sustainability for the new generation, as Nina mentioned before. Um, we noticed that, uh, of course, uh, this is a good time to change the model, as mentioned before, to reinvent uh, the business model of the most important fashion brand, but uh, we need to slow down. So um, the, the pandemic learned at us that uh, all the globe slow down during the lockdown. We can do it. We never um, have this type of uh, moment before. So it's very mm. important uh, um, not to 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 start uh, um, as as before. It's important to to understand if our consumer and the new generation are looking for the type of product that uh, that we are producing. Um, the our global consumer insight uh, told us that uh, um, this this was the 11th edition and it told us that, that there's a, a clear convergence of uh, topics such as transparency sustainability circularity and social environment it means that uh, for the first time in in the last uh, 11th years uh, our consumer, both the new generation, millennials and generation Z, but also the, the older one, are looking for 
something different. So there's a huge space, but it's very important, as Susan mentioned before, to collaborate because the system should accelerate the, the changing, should accelerate the new model, but they, I believe that there's no brand that can do everything alone. We need to collaborate from the entire production change from the textile, uh, from fiber <laughs> to the production, but also the government uh, could accelerate uh, the new uh, fashion model. Okay, thank you. you. You touched a little bit on on the consumer as well there. I'd love to dig down a little bit more because I think, you know, since yeah, I've, I've been in China for 10, 11 years, and you've seen in China the consumer you know, go from being obsessed about certain brands to becoming much, much more uh, complex with their with their consumption habits. And there's always been a lot of press coverage about more and more consumers being uh, environmentally conscious. I'm not sure how much uh, that is reflected in actual kind of sale and the retail side of things, but I'd love to know what your research says a little more about you know the the change in in uh, in buying patterns from from consumer generations, and whether you know a more educated consumer basically just it, it's as simple as them wanting uh, more ecologically responsible brands as well. Yeah, I believe that the brands need to split uh, the way they are reaching the consumer. So they need that to be more faster. And so digital is an opportunity, of course. On the other side, they need to communicate more what they are doing, because based on our research, it seems that uh, since now, the major brands did not communicate uh, so in a transparency way or their sustainability pro project or what they do in this area. So, uh, yeah. and the, the consumer in particular, the Z, so the new consumer are looking for more information on how the brands change their will be more sustainable in the label. The label is a physical one. So even if the, the brands are looking to reach more faster with digital the consumer through social and uh, marketplace, they need on the other side uh, to use the label to use uh, the, the information that they put there because the, um, the new generation looking very well what they they write on the label even if it's electronic one so uh, it's very important to communicate more and on this is from digital side and how to reach the, the new consumer on the other side on products uh, there's a other uh, challenge that the brands need to and need to to have in their roadmap. For example, we know that the new consumer, I mean Generation Z, are looking for mainly for natural products, eco-friendly products, and they are looking for brands that. But they need to know that they have sustainable process. How how can brands uh, communicate this? So mm. there's a lot of education. Uh, there's a lot to do on innovation because they need to innovate may maybe their, their product from the beginning, not only when you are in the retail, uh, so at the end of the value chain. And there's a lot to do also to change the supply chain. Uh, 
there's a lot to do. They need to invest more. I believe that uh, all the companies are putting a huge investment on digital, less uh, on the supply chain. Mm. Mm. So a lot of a lot of a lot of pressure on, you know, obviously, obviously the consumer is looking to purchase products from brands that are more responsible, but the onus is also on brands to be able to communicate that efficiently and effectively. Um, you know, otherwise, how are the consumer is bound to how they're going to yeah. go, right? Yeah, the new generation knows that major brands uh, usually uh, try to communicate their sustainable project with an advertising campaign or special project, but should be a daily communication, not a special one. That's different. Mm. Okay. Okay. And, the, um, and only, Nina, only, 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 only last talking about your Sorry, experience Pierce? with this as well because i think we, we no. always hear a lot about how consumers have a huge amount of say uh when it comes to what brands do i mean the thing I mean, how much of a difference do you think the day-to-day -day consumers can make uh, uh when it comes to to making change you know really yeah um i yes consumer pressure is definitely a thing and um i think it Erica had more to say, but maybe we can go back to her afterwards. So based on what she mentioned with um, with Gen Z and being more and more aware, um, the interesting part with Gen Z comparing to like millennials, I'm counting myself as an elderly millennial, and I think Erica can help back me up as well, is that um, <laughs> while my generation, they, they had strong values and they 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 wanted like change and they want to be sustainable um, the millennials or my the part of millennials where i belong to we we were more like it's important but someone else will fix it while gen z they're mm -hmm. born into like the climate change like the social injustice um me too movement black lives matter etc and they have they have a totally different approach to things where they see themselves as the ones who will create the change they are not relying on any government or any like anyone else to do it so they they are very much looking at themselves as a brand much value driven so then um they will they are pushing and using their voice to to drive that change um, they, they're not going to wait for someone else. So the way they are doing this is one one is to use their purchasing power. They, there are a lot of like shaming and cancelling um, approach towards brands who are not behaving. But there's also like the whole um, using of social media to actually communicate like both asking what they're doing but also calling brands out that are not living up to things. And I think I also want to emphasize on another part of the puzzle, which is super important that I don't think it's being uh, talked about enough, which is employers for different brands. They are consumers, but also they are employers within big brands. And a lot of them are also being Gen Z, where they're also using their voice uh, to, to communicate things that they are not happy with and they are not as loyal as maybe like the older generation has been we have seen it 
clearly when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when people internally just are fed up and they just start speaking up uh, because um, the actions that are being taken are not in line with their values. So definitely there is a power um, on the consumer side. Thank you. Erica, um, apologies for cutting off. Please, please continue. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, uh, would I only to to add um, a topic regarding the price. We know that, uh, you know, the, the economic slowdown uh, due to COVID pandemic had a huge impact on fashion and luxury. It seems that uh, at the end of this year and next year, uh, the fashion will reduce the market of uh, 35 40 percentage we know that asia pacific has a different uh, um a different they 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 maybe they they will increase the market so the the reduction will, will be not so high but uh, uh, in europe and uh, in america uh, we are expecting a, a reduction also on price what we noted um during the uh, the global consumer side is that the new generation particularly the millennials and generation Z, are looking for less quantity of product but they are available mm. to um, to pay a premium price for a product which is real sustainable so i believe mm. it's very important to take in account this because to be sustainable uh, means for brands uh, uh, make investment on their supply chain and of course in their business model so it's very important to, to to consider this so less quantity for new generation and maybe to to pay more if they really know that there's a, a sustainable brand uh, which has a sustainable supply chain but also as nina mentioned before that, that there will be also a social environment that, that could be um that 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 could be taken account. So employee and the local community, and also to be more sustainable also in the social and local community is very important for new generation. Mm. Thank you very much. Uh, That's it. Alex, so saying fewer, uh, less quantity perhaps, but a, a higher price. I, I feel like that would fit quite, quite well with LVMH. Um, luxury, I feel like luxury consumers are often viewed as, as one of the highest quality materials uh, with no expense spared. I think you, you, you touched earlier on the fact that obviously LVMH is a luxury brand. Um, you know, are you seeing the same shift in consumer attitudes that, that, you know, that Nina talked about and obviously Erica has gone into detail here as well? Yeah, definitely. I fully agree uh, with Erica. We can definitely see uh, a big shift, I would say, for now, yeah, again five, six years, or even uh, customers in luxury are asking now for transparency, meaning maybe before we have to, 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 to accept that luxury was a kind of black box, we, we wanted to make people dream, but behind the scene it was kind of black box, but now it's, I would say it's going to be the opposite. We have to be transparent, we have to explain, we have to explain the craftsmanship, we have to explain the savoir-faire, we have to explain our supply chain and to show our supply chain and to be proud of what we are. So yes, there is a big shift uh, to transparency, meaning to, to, and to achieve full transparency, we also need traceability. Um, we need to be able to place all our own traits our supply chain. This is the thing we want to achieve now. We really have some significant progress. So yes, we feel we 
So far on, you know, why secularity is important, uh, why it's becoming an interesting part of of the bigger sustainability picture. Um, you know, the role that consumers play, um, uh, and and what brands, both big and small, uh, are doing to approach this this challenge. I think I, I would love to talk a little bit about you know, what the gaps are with circularity uh, and sustainability at the moment. I think I think everyone realizes that a lot of uh, ground has been made in the past few years. Um, but I, I think it's important to also talk about what's stopping us from achieving more. Um, Nina, I'd love to start with you about this. Um, you know, where do you think the, uh, you know, do, do you think circularity is a one size fits all solution? Um, you know, where are the key gaps right, that need to be bridged in terms of getting more companies acting sustainability, sustainably? Um, thank you for that question. That's actually a <laughs> very important one. And I think um, to answer that, we kind of need to take a step back and uh, remind ourselves on why we are doing this, why a circular economy is even a thing. And it's and the whole purpose of circular economy is to help us in um, reaching our climate goals and also reducing our footprint because the way we are doing business right now is putting a lot of pressure on environment and climate and uh, a lot of other areas as well um but when we are actually looking at the numbers right now um where we are compared to where we are heading um, the numbers really don't add up the circular economies um approach is really in, in connection to decoupling growth from um from resource usage and right now what we are seeing that the actions that are being taken it's not it's not going fast enough. Um, we are not, we are not moving in the right direction um, towards like mm. the 2030 goals, especially if we are looking at the, um, the climate goals and the reduction of our emissions. Um, the fashion industry in total is expected to grow with additional 80 percent, um, but the same research which is done by Global Fashion Agenda uh, together with McKinsey shows that. Expected footprint is actually going to double, and we're going to miss our target with 50%. So, with that said, there's a, it means that there's still a lot that needs to be done, and we we are not accelerating things fast enough. And a couple of areas that has been identified that I think is important to have a conversation around is firstly. Um, there's a there's a massive need for investments. Uh, previously, a couple mm. of years ago, there was a lot of 
conversation around innovation uh, and yes that's still needed but there are already a lot of innovation out there now the the question is like how can industry and brands go in and support these new innovation and bring them up to scale so one is like investment area and the second part is a collaboration which has been mentioned multiple times by both Susan and um, uh, Erica and today that is needed the industry needs to collaborate with legislators with experts etc but the third one that I want to emphasize on is also transparency and sometimes when I speak of transparency and people kind of see it only as a, as from a supply chain transparency and the need of knowing where things are coming from and how different brands are working in, in line with both social and environmental aspects of their supply chain. But an equal part, important part, is this whole transparency to access to information, to knowledge, for that to be shared. And right now, um, this area is very new and this kind of information and knowledge is locked in in a couple of experts normally sitting uh, on different brands so then the question becomes mm -hmm. how can we open up to give bigger access to this uh, expert knowledge and this is also one of the reasons why i have funded um, my very new very small very uh, early stage foundation that is that has a um, purpose of actually bringing and bringing expert knowledge and making it more accessible, especially to startups. So the way it works is that what we are what Donate Hour, which the name people ask me why we call it Donate Hour and it's spelled like donut, is based on donut economics, a book um, and theory based uh, that is uh, Kate Rothworth that has um, published a book around it, um, which is focusing on actually instead of donating money you could actually donate your expertise um, to and we will help you connect you to startups that are in line with the SDGs so so I would say investments uh, collaboration and transparency are the areas that needs to be focusing on investment collaboration transparency Susan I noticed you nodding I can see you nodding even with your VR headset on. Um, <laughs> well, at least it's working. You can uh, see that yeah. I'm not doing anyway. That's a good start. <laughs> um, what was your question, sorry, Piers? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, really about the limits of circularity and what's what's stopping the industry from achieving more. And and Nina, Nina talked about uh, kind of lack of lack of funding, uh, lack of innovation, the need for more collaboration. Um, I think Nina is just spot on. To be honest, I think those are two huge ones. I, I've spoken about collaboration already. The investment issue is is really real. There are there are many tangible sustainable green green tech clean tech innovations in this space that we do technical and commercial due diligence on every day that purely need investment to be able to scale and um, these small startups always say to me well we just need to know that the demand is there and then when I talk to brands and retailers they say well we just need to know that the technology and the innovation is there before we can commit to you know whatever the target might be so I think there is a gap there 
between um, what's available and who knows about it and connecting that will help to bring that investment um, into the picture and I think also maybe one of the other challenges is just just do something. People sometimes worry about needing to close the circle in one step for the circular economy. And while it's great if we can, you know, just getting a little bit of the way around that circle is certainly an improvement on the linear model that we have now. So um, figuring out what the biggest impacts are, taking steps to address them and simultaneously plugging away at the quick wins, we, we can't go wrong if we, if we take that approach, I think. I know, I think this has just disappeared, at least for me. Yeah. We have a few minutes. Maybe we can. I think, um, should we? Maybe Erica would have some thoughts on the, the investment case as well. Do you have anything to add from your consumer research? Before going to investment, uh, I want to uh, highlight a, a real and pragmatic project that we did in which collaboration, transparency and investment were shared uh, in the fashion industry with uh, 400 uh, uh, brands and textile company in Italy during the, um, the COVID lockdown. So uh, what we did, as you know, Italy was one of the first uh, European country um, impacted by the COVID-19 and uh, at, the, in, at the end of February, March, uh, um, we had a, a, a huge challenge, not only for the uh, Italian citizen, but also for our country health system. And um, our health system had a huge shortage, uh, shortage of personal protective equipment. What we did uh, started from social, started from a, a post uh, on my personal profile, I asked uh, my network uh, how to uh, support uh, the health system to to product the, this type of stuff. And uh, Chiara Ferragni, Italia Fashion uh, Blogger, reposted my call for action. And in two months, uh, we uh, reconvert more than 400 uh, Italian textile and fashion brands. Um, also the smaller ones, laboratories, but uh, it was a real um, collaboration and sustainable project for our community. Uh, the, the brands that usually are competitor in, in normal business, they collaborate uh, through their production and uh, R&D uh, department to create uh, this new product that uh, had been certified. So. Uh, the need for safety and health was the first for our doctors, but in really in two months we create a, uh, the largest extent supply chain in Italy th through the reconversion of our fashion system. Uh, the government put uh, uh, 50 million uh, euro investment to accelerate this project. It was uh, really in a short term. In two months uh, we donated more than. Uh, um, four million uh, surgical masks to our hospitals and we donate more than 500,000 500, gowns for our doctors so if we can if we if we collaborate and susan mentioned before maybe we can accelerate the system to be more sustainable and to create something which is 
uh, good and health for also and safety also for our system. It's yeah. only a case, a personal case. Um, now we lost Maggie as well, but. We have Pierce back. Oh. <laughs> Pierce, we, we finished. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Are we, I think we're 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 approaching approaching near the end, aren't we? Um, I did. I did have one final kind of question for everyone, which was which was who's kind of responsible to make sure we actually stick to to some of these goals. Um, uh, Susan, I know that you you launched and uh, words and thesis work recently with the UK government on an initiative of of, of how to make the UK, I think, the home of sustainability, uh, or something similar. Um, is this is this something where you know, we really have to rely upon governments to, to provide either the carrot or the stick? It's a good question. Um, I think everyone has a part to play in this. We, we all know that there's, there's a part for brands and retailers, there's a part for government, there's a part for consumers, there's a part for all of the different value chain elements. But I think when you talk to brands and retailers and when you talk to suppliers, they all say the same thing on this. Yes, please, we want government to help us raise the bar and create a level, level playing field. And at least we like to know that in the UK, which recently published a fantastic report on how the UK can address these issues, and I'm sure will apply equally in many other countries. Um, we spoke to most Michelin and retailers in the UK um, and asked them about this, and they, they all pointed to these things that like government to encourage investment in R&D, to create more sustainable fabrics, to boost investment in the fabric, fabric collection, recycling infrastructure, um, to maximise the benefit of the economy of those new clean and green industries, um, to support startups, to harness that innovation, mm. and to recognise the link between these new sectors in the circular economy and the skills agenda. The world of work is changing fast, and these sectors will provide the new clean green jobs of the future. So I think that's where government can really play a role in those kind of factors. Thank you so much. Um, any final words from, from any of our speakers? Nina, Alex, Erica? Maggie's um, I can I can just I can just echo what Susan just mentioned. Um, I think end of the day we are all responsible for 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 our environment and planet and we all need to do our what we can. Um, but I definitely think that the government, especially in collaboration with uh, business experts, um, have an important role to to look into and identify how we can harmonize um, the industry from a le legislation perspective. And um, um, yeah, I would I would pause there and see if someone else my, wants to add. My panel may be
they all now have to achieve sustainability and circularity, but one of the main methods is we really need a credibility and we really need to speak who they are, you know, so, uh, they all have the LVN, they all have their own credibility to just be you know, to, to, to achieve uh, um, the great sustainability and circularity within their credibility, but not to change who they are, uh, because we really need their Sorry, my connection just cut out there. I also wanted to quickly check with Maggie. You're back with us. Welcome back. I also yeah, sorry. Did I'm not sure what happened. I think my internet's no not really holding up. <laughs> I before when we're going to the end. I really wanted to, to ask you a couple of questions. Um, as sure. you close, kind of, you know, when when you were you know creating your brand and setting it up in in a sustainable way, you know. Were there any brands that you looked to, or, or experts that you could call on, to, that either brands that you looked at as as uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of inspiration, or experts you know in New Zealand or around the world that you could talk to and that would that were able to give you guidance, or did you feel like you were kind of making it up as you went along, or trying to figure it out as as you as you went? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think that, um, you know, building a sustainable business is such a journey on a four years, really learning um, and developing, you know, what those sort of central tenants look like, I guess, and, and sort of narrowing it down to, um, you know, for us, um, Building a sustainable business is, you know, being transparent, mm. um, obviously circularity, you know, but also being regenerative, I think, is key. Um, I think that you can't really have circularity without the regenerative part. Um, and then obviously um, inclusion as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of brands that I looked towards. Um uh you know i think that brands like patagonia are doing amazing mm. things um especially within the sort of regenerative agriculture space uh which i think is really exciting i think there's so many opportunities there and that's something um that we're really interested in um but yeah i don't know i think a lot of it has just been um, time and evolution and researching and talking to different people and um, yeah I, I think that sustainability is a journey there's not really gonna ever be a destination I think sure makes sense hopefully, hopefully your journey will act as an inspiration to many more um, so I want to say thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you to our speakers. Thank you to all of our guests. I believe I'm going to try to open up the floor to questions. Uh, try bringing the operative word. <laughs> um, we have lots I, of people. <laughs> we have lots of people. We have lots of emojis. I'm also going to fire off some emojis. 
There's a question mm. like in hand to raise. Um, I don't know if I see any questions though. Hello, can any of Is that Lord wanting to ask a question? Oh, yes. I just saw some hands up down there. Maybe we could just approach them and give them our microphone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Hi, I think you have me... a question. Is that right? Hello, yes. That's right, I did. Hi. Um... One, two, let me, one second, let me just, uh, uh, let's see if people can hear you. Try try asking a question, perhaps? Hi, I have a question for Alex Capelli, actually. Hi, yeah, I can hear you. I, I kind of hear what you were saying. Can you just repeat the, the in part? Brilliant, sure. Um, I had a question for Alex Capelli uh, regarding luxury yeah. and the way that LVMH uh, is approaching it. Obviously, one of the issues yes. with um, luxury goods, at least as far as the storytelling is concerned, yeah. is the luxury, the, the luxury of the raw materials themselves. And it's yeah, of course. A tough sell, yeah. Uh, to talk about materials made of, say, a uh, hundred recycled plastic. Bottles. Yeah, of course, no problem. Well, um, first of all, um, I think you know it really all starts with transparency i mean how how can you aim to be a circular or regenerative business if you first don't even um understand your supply chain which i think seems so basic but i don't think many consumers really understand that uh not many brands really can trace back uh the garment origin right back to the raw material and and you know that's Uh, a big part of, you know, the carbon emissions of, of a garment. So, there's a call in New Zealand to help implement regenerative farming practices, um, you know, ensuring that we can uh you know as much carbon from the atmosphere as possible and put that back into the soil um there's a stat out there that we only have 60 years left of topsoil which i think is pretty scary and i think it needs to be a huge focus um you know regenerating our soil um so yeah that's that's something that we're excited about and then yeah i guess what is circularity uh to me to, to maggie marilyn i guess um, you know, I think we know that the current fashion system uh, operates in a, you know, linear make, waste, um, dispose model. Uh, and, you know, that we take resources from the ground to make products. Um, and when we no longer want them, we throw them away. Um, and I think for us, you know, this model is quite literally not sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable for businesses, people, or the environment. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, we have no option but to change. Um, so yeah, really our goal as brand is to be 
transparent, circular, regenerative, and inclusive. Uh, so, I believe you, you had a question for Alex Capelli. Do you mind repeating that for me, and then I'll repeat it for everyone else? Right, yeah. As well for manufactured gems, for instance, in the jewelry um, mm-hmm. industry. So how do, you, how do you actually build sustainable raw materials into a luxury product story in a way that makes it still as compelling? Okay, let me yeah, try and... Uh... Oh, Alex, you got, no, I, got all that? I, I, I get the question. I understood the question. Perfect, perfect. Okay, go for it. Uh, it's a very good question. Um, my answer would be: If you look at the our luxury brands uh, within the image, you're right. We are mainly based on animal and vegetable-based raw material uh, like leather, cotton, silk, wool. Uh, we are not a huge user of polyester and nylon, but the storytelling about uh, animal-based or um, vegetable-based materials are. I would say quite simple finally we try to implement the best standard that we can first uh, we are targeting traceability traceability is not uh, an objective in itself it's just a mean but we need it to be able to 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 ensure the the implementation of the best standards then uh, for each raw materials from leather to wool to cotton we have defined internal standard that we want all our, our suppliers to to respect and to implement for instance i don't know good certification for cotton or um, RWS for, for the wool. Uh, for leather, you're, for bovine and vine leather, it's a little bit more difficult you're, and you're right because uh, we, are, we, we do not have the direct link with farmers. So meaning that we have to collaborate with the meat and dairy industry to, to ensure that um, we will be able to implement our, uh, regenerative practices, for instance, for uh, doing grazing. Uh, so we we definitely want we 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 have a target of regenerative agriculture for our main commodities uh, and of course this is something ongoing uh, it's a, it's a very ambitious target uh, maggie already talked about that but i think this would be the big big topic of the next 10 years to to, to ensure that all our animal and vegetable based raw materials are uh, are um, compliant with all these new approaches and then uh, you also right if i we when we if you want to 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 manufacture the best product with the highest quality then maybe you can't use all the skin or all the fabric so then you have to ensure that all the dead stock and all the the waste during the production processes will be recycled or reused um those I have to say that we have made great, great improvement on this topic, so I'm quite optimistic. The, the big challenge, I would say, is much more uh, being being able to implement all these new practices uh, about regenerative agriculture. On plastics, uh, polyester, uh, nylon, we, we are very, very small user, you know, so it's not a big, big topic for us. Great thanks to all of the speakers from the CFS Sustainability Panel and for all of you tuning into this episode. As we can hear from this conversation, there is great commitment and focus on sustainability in fashion, 
at this point in history. Major brands and organizations are putting energy and resources into transitioning fashion into a more sustainable system. It's important to keep having these conversations, but also to ensure that we're moving beyond merely talking and taking measurable and collective action together. This is what the CFS goals were designed to support. You can now subscribe to CFS Podcast. On this show, we'll be sharing insights and knowledge from global fashion industry leaders in design, technology, sustainability, media, and much more. We will have further panel talks from Circular Fashion Summit, plus monthly CFS seminars and more content. Thanks again to our sponsors, Unity and Unilever. You can visit our website at circularfashionsummit.com. I'm Nick Collins. See you again soon for CFS Podcast. Mm-hmm.